Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. Today, I'm going to tell you guys about the infamous hijacking of a Boeing 727 by one D.B. Cooper. Yeah. So pour yourselves a strong cup of joe and let's dive in. So for those of you who've heard of this, D.B. Cooper is known as one of America's biggest unsolved cases. This man hijacked a plane and got away, quote unquote, got away with quite a big sum of money, assuming he made it. I'm going to throw out a little fun fact right here at the beginning because I don't want to confuse you guys if I switch up later. His name was not D.B. Cooper. The B only came from some misprint in a newspaper and it just stuck. But the man who hijacked the plane, his name on his ticket was Dan Cooper. And I just want to tell you guys that in case I say Dan at some point and you're like, who are you talking about? So Dan, DB, and Cooper, all the same. And with that, let's get into it. On Wednesday, November 24th, 1971, a man purchased a one-way ticket on a Northwest Orient Airlines 305 from Portland to Seattle. He was in his mid-40s, about 170 to 180 pounds, somewhere between 5'10 and 6 foot. And he had on a suit with a tie and a briefcase with him, as well as a pair of sunglasses. The flight departed around 4.35 p.m., And shortly after that, this man handed a note to flight attendant Florence Schaffner. So if I was a flight attendant and somebody just randomly handed me a note, I would probably panic for a second. I mean, she had reason to. Well, tell me where this is going. But I'm just thinking like if I'm a flight attendant and somebody just walks up to me and hands me a note, I'm either thinking that it's like some sort of love note or they're going to threaten everybody on the plane. (laughs) Just some random love note. I saw you, ma'am, and you're hot. (laughs) Well, people are kind of weird. You don't know. (laughs) On the note, it said that he was going to be hijacking the plane, that he had a bomb, and she was to take this note to the pilot and not alert any of the other passengers. The note also requested that he receive $200,000 in only $20 bills, four parachutes, and that if they tried anything, he would blow up the plane. So... I have a couple comments about his note. First off. (laughs) Yeah. You got some comments there? A couple? (laughs) So, one, why does he need four parachutes? I'm pretty sure you... I've never tried it, but I'm pretty sure you need one to jump from a plane. My second thing is, the four parachutes, like, is he planning... He just wants to be really sure that if the first parachute doesn't make it, then like if he has the one on and it doesn't actually open, he's got backups so that he's definitely surviving his jump. My other comment is the $200,000 that he's requesting. Strange that he's requesting it in $20 bills. I'm assuming it's because they're less traceable. But I don't know that if I wanted to get $200,000, I would go on a plane and be like, yo, give me $200,000 because I don't feel like planes just carry $200,000. So feel like he could have gone to a bank. You made some good points, but I think the story as it goes on will answer some of your questions. The man does open up his briefcase and 
there were some red sticks in there and wires, as Florence describes, it looked like a bomb. He briefly showed her it and put it back, closed it again and put it back by his seat. So Florence takes the note up to the pilot who contacts the airline and they say, you know, cooperate with him. We're going to call the cops and get everything around that we can. So to get all the stuff around, they needed a little extra time. And the pilot just tells the passengers they're running a little bit behind because of some technical difficulties. At 5.39 p.m., the plane touches down and... In exchange for the money and the parachutes, the man lets off all the passengers, but he keeps some of the staff on board, one to fly the plane, two kind of as hostages. Collateral. Totally understandable. At 7.35 p.m., the flight takes off and the man requests that the plane go to Mexico City. However, he didn't give any type of route that he wanted the pilots to follow, just saying, go to Mexico City. And he also requested that the plane be flown below 10,000 feet and that the flaps and gears stay down and that the plane doesn't go over 180 miles per hour. So he had some type of knowledge on what he could possibly make as a jump in regards to flying, which I would have zero idea anything on this. So it I mean, he could have either did research or he had prior experience. I'm in between like back and forth on whether or not a lot of planning went into this or none at all. Because he comes up and he's like, yo, I got this bomb. I'm going to blow you up if you don't give me this money. So like there's some planning in that because he built a bomb or something to look like a bomb at least. But then he's like, I don't really care what route you take. So he doesn't really have like a plan on the path that he wanted them to take. He, for all we know, scribbled that note last minute and just grabbed some red sticks at the gift shop before leaving the airport. Sure, it's where I always pick up my red sticks. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, I feel, but, and then this knowledge about the plane, like, does he just know, like, was he previously a jumper in the military or something? And some people speculate that him jumping from this flight, in particular this plane, in the conditions means he doesn't have experience. So it was storming this night. It was dark by the time they got up in the air. And it was over quite a bit of forest because it was in the upper northwest of the United States. I've never jumped from a plane. In fact, I've never flown on a plane. At the time that we're recording this, I've never flown on a plane. And I know that you should not jump out of a plane into a forest when it's storming. They're definitely not ideal conditions. Also, there are specific planes for skydiving. This is not one of them. Well, this is part of the reason where I think that he had zero planning that went into this. And he just had, like, he'd seen a TV show where they talked about this is the conditions you need to jump out of a plane. Or this is the requirements you need on the plane to jump out. I mean, here's the thing, though. Do you really want to put that much on your first time jumping out of a plane? No! So that's what makes me think he maybe has some type of experience because there's no way I would be like, oh, I'm going to jump out of this plane for the first time ever after I've committed all these crimes and it's just going to work. There's no way. Maybe this guy was very confident in himself. I mean, he was a middle-aged white guy. He was the guy that walked into the bars and said, yo, girl, you're coming home with me. And when they said no, he was like, I didn't say you could say no. (laughs) That's the kind of vibe I'm getting from this dude. Okay, we're going to move on. But this like whole condition thing and him not knowing, but also kind of knowing what to do is why I'm struggling with whether or not he put hours of planning into it or he just made the decision an hour before getting on this plane. 
it's I, that's why I'm so back and forth is because I feel like there's certain things that were planned and other things that weren't. And I don't know. I'm curious to see where this story goes. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. After the plane was in the air, Dan asked for everybody on the plane to go up into the cockpit and lock themselves up there. Around 8 p.m., a light indicating that there is a hatch opening comes on and 12 minutes later they feel the plane kind of like jolt a little bit and one of the guys goes I think he jumped so what he had done was it was I think 14 steps on this hatch that you could put down and so he would go down the steps and then jump off so he would be clear of the engine and the plane when he jumped Something significant about this is only a couple planes, I think it was maybe even just two at this time period, passenger planes that is, have these steps. So he specifically picked a plane that had the steps, which could point to a little bit of planning or just luck. I'm not really sure how I'm feeling about this guy right now. Either way, they were somewhere between Seattle and Reno, Nevada when he jumped. And basically, that's it. To this day, we have never found him. They never found any remains or anything. The only thing that was found later on evidence-wise was in 1980, a little boy found a rotting package with $5,800 in $20 bills that ended up matching the serial numbers on the $20 bills that were given to Dan Cooper. They were found at Tina Bar Beach. The area where the money was found was in Washington, not really too far from Seattle. It's theorized that maybe the money had fallen into a river and made its way down to this area, but it's unknown. Investigators searched the rest of the area where it was found, though, and found no other evidence pointing to Dan being in that area. Fun fact about this, the little boy, his name is Brian Ingram, that found the money got like a payout from it for discovering it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they gave him... It says $2,760. I want to go find somebody's money that they stole. They also gave an equal share of that to the insurer of Northwest Orient Airlines and then kept $280 as evidence. That is just such a strange... Who decided that that's what was going to happen? And that's beautiful, though, because like it makes me want to go look for <laughs> right sums of money buried out in the beach. I would... Maybe that's what we do this weekend. Treasure hunt. I'm more concerned about the fact that they gave evidence away. Like, they kept some of the money for evidence. I understand that. But what if the, like, $200 that they kept, he just never touched? I'm also thinking, though, the money they gave him wasn't actually the physical rotting $20 bills. I didn't think that there <laughs> Just a guess. I did see in one of the documentaries I watched that they actually, like, destroy money after so many years so in theory, like from this time period, there might not be this money still floating around, which I had no idea that was even something that they did. But it makes sense to make way for like, you know, when they have the new like 
dollar the new twenty dollar bills and the new hundreds they get rid of some of the old ones does make sense did you say was the money found in a bag or it was just money it was in a rotting bag they said a paper bag i believe what was the money given to db cooper and do you know it was given in like some type of knapsack which is what he requested also i did not mention this i'm going to mention it now when he jumped he only used two of the parachutes because i remember you asking about the I'm parachutes i'm so confused earlier. why he had four then at first, I thought maybe he had an accomplice, but then... That's what some people theorize. I think he just, you know, why not ask for four? I mean, it makes sense just to play it safe. I guess. But he jumped with two of them. A lot of people were talking about, in the like documentaries I watched, how he would have been able to carry the money. But some people believe that in the bottom of his briefcase, because he only briefly showed Florence it, that there could have been like a military-issued bag, like a duffel bag, or some other items that he could have used to aid his escape and they had somebody recreate that jump not exactly because it obviously wasn't the safest route but another one where they're like this dude's not going to just completely die and it was doable because they were concerned about how much weight would have been on him when he jumped with all the money okay first off i want to talk about whoever it was that decided yeah i'll be the one that's going to test this out where i just possibly die with carrying all this weight on me when I jump out of the plane, he skydived a lot. At one point, he mentioned over like, I don't remember the amount of jumps it was, but it was an insane number that I was like, do you just jump out of a plane every single day? Jeez. But he was, they also- He's rec- alive still? Uh, I don't know if he is today. Did he, he was at the time die of the from jumping out of a plane? <laughs> he, no, he lived from all that. I don't know his, I don't know the rest of his life story, but- I just feel like out of all of the hobbies that you could have jumping out of a plane- thousands of feet in the air is probably not the one that's going to give you the longevity of life that you're looking for well he was obviously doing okay so here is what we have there is some quote unquote evidence that was left on the plane from dan cooper that we don't know what it is except that there was some evidence there's supposedly some dna that came from a tie that he left we do have a composite sketch given by florence schaffner and another flight attendant tina mucklow and we will obviously post that and i will be showing erica that here in a little bit when we talk about suspects i'm going to talk about some possible suspects for being dan cooper now the first one is named richard floyd mccoy in april of 1972 richard mccoy hijacked a Boeing 727 airplane, demanded $500,000 and four parachutes, and ended up jumping out of the plane over Provo, Utah. So similar so far. What year was this? 1972. So about a year after, a little less because it was in April. So about six months. So either a copycat or our D.B. Cooper. Right. So like I said, similarities, it was the same type of plane. He asked for four parachutes. He also apparently in his heist gave a note about having a bomb and also used the quote, no funny stuff. What happened to like good old love notes? Like why they all got to be threatening? I <laughs> Faulty analogy. This is not related at all. <laughs> why are you talking about love notes? Richard McCoy was eventually arrested for this, and he had a wild ride after that. He escaped from prison at some point and, like, died in a shootout. But the FBI ruled him out as being Dan Cooper just because he said that he didn't match the description. However, he kind of fits it a little bit, and I'll show you some photos, Erica, and let you react. I do want to say, though, the FBI also said that he was home for dinner for Thanksgiving when the Dan Cooper hijack happened. So I think that's probably more why he got ruled out. 
or his family just covered for him and they just said, yeah, he was here for Thanksgiving. Totally. Erica, here is a photo of Richard next to the Dan Cooper composite sketch. What do you think? Well, like even down to the hair part is the exact same. Like it's uncanny how much these two look alike. And if you solely handed this to me and said, do you think this is a sketch of that person? I would have said, yeah, they like they sat down and somebody sketched them out. And this is what they came up with. I'm kind of weirded out about the fact that even the hair part is the exact same. Like, it's not even just like a typical like down the middle hair part. It's off on the side, but it's like at the exact same. The ears are also the same. They're a little bit big. They stick out. The eye shapes are kind of like a little droopy, which is the same. The eyebrows look a little different, but that's kind of besides the point. I mean, but everything else looks the exact same. The guy's even wearing in the photo the same thing that the guy in the sketch is wearing. You can't see the tie on the photo, but they're wearing the same like black jacket with a white shirt underneath. Must be him. (laughs) So I think it's him because obviously you can't change clothes. Yeah. So, I mean, he I can see where there's differences for sure, but he definitely looks similar. The other suspect I'm going to tell you about is the one I lean towards. I'm also going to say, just like with every other big unsolved case we cover, there are a ton of suspects out there. I'm just giving you guys the two that I found most relevant. I'm curious where you're going to go with this because I'm very sure that this guy did it and you're sure that you lean towards this other guy. So I'm curious where this is going to go and if it's going to be one where we agree or we disagree. Which if you guys have listened to the podcast for a long time, we you know we don't always agree. Just you wait. I'll be here sipping my coffee listening to you talk about it. Our final suspect is Dwayne Weber. Dwayne Weber became a suspect because when he was in the hospital on his deathbed, the doctor just said he had probably about five days left and the doctor leaves the room and Dwayne calls over his wife, Joe, and says, is anyone in here? And Joe says, no, it's just me. Why? And he said, come here and tell you a secret. And she's like, okay. And he's like, I'm Dan Cooper. And she just just kind of put it off at first because she hadn't heard of the case. And so this was just not even relevant to her. Dwayne ends up passing away and Joe finally starts to look into this Dan Cooper stuff and finds out what it is. And she starts to make some connections. Okay, before you give me your connections, my initial thought is this guy was like, I'm about to die. I think I'm going to mess with some people because like they'll talk about me for years if I tell them that I'm this infamous guy that they've never found before, like dying and then being like, hey, I'm the Zodiac, like on your deathbed. Yeah, but would you really mess with your wife? I don't. Maybe she was having an affair. Maybe he was like what? trying to get back. <laughs> OK, her. our love notes were failing. A couple things that Joe connected between Dwayne and Dan Cooper. Dwayne had an old Northwest Orient airline ticket that he kept and she wasn't sure why if there's any significant reason for it. He had had some knee issues that he said he gotten from jumping out of a plane. Also, when she was doing some digging, she found a book on D.B. Cooper that had some handwriting in it that matched Dwayne's, which I'm not sure how that even that's a weird connection to me. Okay, so far, a little weird, but is it possible that he had studied D.B. Cooper and had this like weird fantasy that he wished he was D.B. Cooper? And so he was, he'd like kind of come up with all these things and made it kind of seem like maybe he was? I mean, possibly. I don't know his like psyche. I mean, she never said anything about some weird obsession. Okay, I'm just, I'm just trying to think outside the box. Another thing is Dwayne had taken Joe before on like a little trip to 
Tina Bar Beach where that money was found, which was just another weird coincidence. Was that before or after the money was found? Do you know? She did not say a year she went, so I am not sure. Because I'd be curious, because if it was before, then like, meh. If it was after, he might have been going back to see if there was any money that hadn't been found if he had like lost some. Right. Well, and something else he said to her, and there's an interview with her in a documentary I watched, which I'll obviously post the source or link for that so you guys can watch it if you want. It's the same one where the guy recreates the jump. But she said he mentioned that he had buried the money somewhere, but forgotten where it was. See, that's what kind of points me away from it being him. Mm -hmm. Because if you're on your deathbed and like you love your wife, then why wouldn't you tell her where this money is or he like doesn't remember i know but hang on if i was ever handed or robbed somebody for two hundred thousand dollars i would remember where i put that money I, like well let's walk through this scenario if somebody gave me a thousand dollars and i hit it i would remember where i put let's it. walk through this scenario this man gets on a plane and pulls off a heist jumps out of a plane when it's storming in the night we can probably guess that maybe he was hurt. Maybe he couldn't walk back with all this money carrying it because it's heavy, especially if he hurt his knee. Obviously, he said he has a knee injury. And you don't want to get caught right after a big heist like this happens. You don't want someone to run into you where you're just carrying $200,000. And they're like, where'd you get that from? And you're like, I don't know. And they're like, well, someone just robbed a plane for $200,000. You're like, mm, weird coincidence. It makes sense that he would try to hide it somewhere before going into town and getting help for being injured. Has he ever heard of the saying, X marks the spot? You think he just had like a blank piece of paper and a pen in this storm that he could just whip out? He probably didn't even know where he was. I just, if I had $200,000, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to find the weirdest looking tree that I could find. And I'm going to hide this money under this. Then I'm going to go into town and get help. And immediately I'm going to go back and get my money. I think you're assuming that he was in like a wooded area like we have here. He was in the like the upper northwest where there are miles of no, dense I, I forest. No, I got that. I got that. I just feel like you could have... I think you're giving yourself or, too much credit or, for this situation. Or, or like find a river and be like, I'm going to put it on this river and then I'm going to... like I'm going to put it on the river. <laughs> I hope it's still here when I get back. <laughs> right in the spot. I put it right on the river. It moved. <laughs> or like, I'm going to put it right next to this big tree right next to the river I'm going to tear off a piece of the bark so that I can later look back and like be like, this piece of bark came from this kind of a tree. No. It was a redwood tree, so I know that I need to go back to this river, find the redwood tree. It's $200,000. I, I am making it a point. We are going on vacation to the forest in this area, and I'm going to have you pick out a tree, and I will put a good amount of money there and say, if you come back, you can have this money if you find this tree. And we'll see how it goes. Okay, but here's the thing. No. <laughs> no. It made his entire heist that if this is the guy, it made his entire heist pointless. You're assuming, too, that he planned every step of this. And you already said you don't think he did. No, I didn't say that he did. I, I don't think he planned anything. But then it's like... Then you can't be surprised that he didn't remember where he put the money. Okay, you could be surprised about that. Abby, I'm going to give you $200,000 and then I want you to tell me that you don't remember where it is. All right, you give me $200,000, throw me out of a plane at night where it's storming into a dense forest and say, 
Land, don't get hurt. You have to hide it. Get into town without anyone seeing that you have the money and go back and find it. And I guarantee you, I would not find it. Okay, deal. I'll push you out of a plane. Honestly, that's all I want. (laughs) (laughs) That's the whole point of this conversation. That's what I heard about it. We're going to move on so we don't lose you guys completely. Anyways, you still have not convinced me. I think that Richard McCoy did it. I'm not even done yet. Still think Richard McCoy did it. Joe contacts the FBI and gives this information to them. They then send her a file on the Dan Cooper case with the sketch. And she talks about opening it up and seeing the sketch. And she said, I almost fell over and my knees completely buckled. This sketch was of my husband. I'm going to show you a photo of him next to the sketch. And then I also have something else to tell you after. But I'm going to wait till you look because I know sometimes you look at sketches and you're like, oh, it's a different person because their hair is different. Thanks for mocking me. Okay, first off, you're showing me a different sketch now than you did originally. He just has glasses on in this one. That's the only thing different. I'll show you the other two. No, the nose is different and so is the hairline. It's literally the same sketch with glasses on. Can I see the other one? Abby has Richard McCoy, Dwayne Weber, and a couple different D.B. Cooper sketches pulled up. One is black and white. One is in color. And one he has glasses on. I think that Dwayne and Richard look very similar, which is not helping. Overall, I think you can probably agree to all these. They have all similar features. They all look very similar. I mean, they have like the egg shaped face. They have the similar nose. They both have bigger ears that stick out a little bit more. The only thing I would say is Richard's hair part, which I know can obviously change, but the hair part that Richard has right now in this photo that she's showing me does match the D.B. Cooper sketch, whereas the one that Dwayne has is a lot fuller and he doesn't even have a part necessarily. I don't think you should look at hair, though. No, I know that can change, but I think that that's... I'm just... The thing for me that throws Richard off is the lips. They look very different than the other... The D.B. Cooper sketches. Because he doesn't even have... He does not have a top or bottom lip. I think it's the way that he's smiling. Because you can see his teeth in that photo. The lips from Dwayne, I guess, look... I mean, he has lips. More compared to the photo of Richard that I saw. But it's almost like his... He has, like... His lips are slanted a little bit. And they aren't... And I mean, that could have just been something that they didn't get in the sketch. I mean, that's probably a small feature that they're not noticing. And I'm sitting here comparing the two together, so... It's also hard because the photo of Dwayne that I'm seeing, he has glasses, glasses on. So I can't really see the shape of his eyes. So I'm going to show you one more. It's just another sketch of the supposed D.B. Cooper and Dwayne Weber, a different photo of Dwayne, where, well, first off for Dwayne, it's a completely different angle. You can actually see his like features in it. And the D.B. Cooper sketch is just a tad different. I would say it's not as soft, but I'll show you real quick. I do want to say too, which you guys probably know this since you're listening to true crime, composite sketches can only be so accurate. You know, it's not a photo of the suspect. You know, it's from memory and it's communicating from one person to another to sketch it. So obviously it's a good guideline, but there is a chance for some error in it. No, I agree. I still think in the photo of Dwayne that you're showing me, I know it's a different one. So I can see the eyes now. Maybe a little bit I can see the eyes, but his smile is still his lips and like lower portion of his mouth or of his face. I don't feel like fits as well with the sketch as Richard did. But I I mean, I see similarities between this two. And like I said, Dwayne and Richard, I think look very similar. Okay, so with that, I'm going to follow up with the fact that they took a composite sketch of D.B. Cooper 
and photos of both Richard and Dwayne and some other suspects they had and put it into a facial recognition software. I think it was in the 90s when they did this. And it has like hundreds of thousands of people in there. And the number one match in their software database was of Dwayne Weber to the composite sketch. Okay. I mean, like I said, I I thought that personally Richard looked more similar to the sketches, but I cannot deny that Richard, like, I think Richard and Dwayne could look like brothers, like if you put them next to each other. So it makes sense that they all are kind of connected. Exactly. Which, I mean, we've seen that before when we did like the Zodiac case, a couple of the suspects, they looked similar. Which would make sense. Mm -hmm. What I think the database thing is really what sold it for me. And then listening to Dwayne's wife, firmly believe it and see the photo and say that's my husband because I think you can obviously recognize someone you spent your life with much better than someone else I agree that if it's your husband you and you're probably going to know what they look like the most and so if you see a sketch of them you'd probably recognize it but I just I have trouble understanding I guess I can see I can see each each side I do want to say, I don't, the facial recognition thing I was talking about, it might have been in the early 2000s as well. It was on a documentary I watched. But either way, Joe does kind of believe that her husband really could have been Dan Cooper. The FBI dismissed him. They said they analyzed his fingerprints and they didn't match, which makes me wonder though, I just wonder what the quote unquote evidence they found is. At one point, they had over 200 people that they suspected of possibly being D.B. Cooper. Did they have the letter? Nope. He uh, asked for that back before he jumped. Okay, I was going to say. I wonder if he had like, I mean, I know it was in the 70s, so I don't know what all they did, but I don't know if they, maybe they gave him like a water bottle or a drink of some sort. And he left that on the plane. He did have, I know he ordered a bourbon when he was on the plane, a bourbon and soda, I think, because in some of the suspects, they point to, oh, this guy liked bourbon as well. So I don't know if they got DNA from that. I know at one point they mentioned getting DNA from the tie. Oh, yeah. So then it's like, well, if they have actual physical DNA, that makes sense why they've ruled out all these suspects. Yeah, it does. And I'm, I think I'm going to... And I don't agree with the FBI, but I'm going to say that it's not Dwayne or Richard. Yeah, I'm assuming it's none of the suspects that have been speculated for the simple fact that if the FBI's ruled them out, then likely it's probably not them. The FBI is no longer investigating this case. They, you know, closed it out. It's what Dan Cooper was charged with doesn't have a statute of limitations, though. So if for some crazy reason we found him today, he could still get charged. But likely he's not still around. How old did they say that he approximately was? Mid 40s. And that was in 71. So he would be old. 90 something yeah. if so, he was still yeah, alive. He still could be. But I mean, let's be honest, he probably isn't. And if he is, he's probably not out robbing people anymore. So the case of who Dan Cooper was is still unsolved. Like I've said, the FBI has never concretely pinned this crime on anybody, so we still do not know who Dan Cooper is or was. Let us know what you guys think, if you have any theories or opinions. Like I said, there's a lot of other suspects out there that I did not cover that I do recommend looking into because it's very interesting to see everybody's different point of views. For me, I don't know who Dan Cooper was, and I don't see this case getting solved, though. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. 
If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.